Welcome to the Stripped Money Podcast with Lungile. Thank you for giving us your ears as we break down money to its bare bones, letting you know how your money can work for you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Stripped Money Conversations. Today, we're going to be talking about dealing with debt. Debt is certainly a topic that is widely covered in South Africa. Um, we all know that South Africans have a very hard time making ends meet. And it's not an easy task um, dealing with debt. And there's so many scary stats like South Africans are among the top borrowers in the world. Um, 44% of people are feeling financially stressed. 15% of people have to use their credit cards monthly just to get by. And South Africans spend more than 50, 15% of their income servicing their debt. But behind these stories are people, people with um, real reasons why they're in this debt. And today I, I have the pleasure of chatting to Dineo Zamela, um, who is the founder of a website called The Piggy Banker, which was inspired by her journey as a recovered debtaholic, as she calls it. And she's also authored an ebook titled The Step-by-Step guide to paying off your debt. Um, I know you've written for the business times and all sorts of things. Welcome to <laughs> Stripped Money Conversations. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Cool. So you and I met a while back while we were busy doing these financial education, um, I don't know, events and speaking opportunities. And I don't know how many years ago this was, but I listened to your story with such fascination, I think especially because I couldn't put Dineo, the Dineo that was in front of me and put her and um, the story as the same person. I couldn't believe that it was your story. Um, yeah, so much for not judging a book by its cover. But before we get into <laughs> to your financial journey, let's talk about, um, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, so I, yeah. You know, I, I'm Dineo. I'm very um, excited and passionate really about educating people about money, um, how to use it, how not to waste it. Um, and that's all really based on my journey, mostly. I think I'd always been interested in the world of finance and, you know, uh, financial education. But um, just because I was in, under so much financial strain, it actually... <laughs> funny enough couldn't you know it couldn't be a passion I could pursue um, until I actually realized that wait hang on as I was figuring out my finances working my way out of the hole I dug that um, surely I'm not the only person who's going through this and maybe the kind of things that I was learning were worth um, sharing with people um, and that's really how my journey in this part of my life you know started um and i mean it's it's a journey that's taken me to where i work now i wouldn't have i probably wouldn't have been there if it wasn't for you know the journey that i went through so um i think it's been a very fascinating journey of learning um of teaching but also of um just you know even within the journey of getting to financial wellness um the things that I've learned and unlearned um, over the years have been, um, oh, my bad, um, have been very fascinating. So, uh, yeah, it's been a very interesting journey to get to here. Yeah, well, that's fascinating. Can you then tell us a story about your debt and how you 
got to a point where you were over indebted? Um, so, you know, it starts with that first clothing account that you get because ooh, now all of a sudden you're, you know, you um, working. Yeah, you qualify. And um, I remember I was, um, it was my first job and, you know, the, Following the age-old wisdom, you need to build your credit score in order to buy a car, a house, yes. blah, blah, blah. So I was like, no, one account won't hurt, you know. Um, and then one account became three. Um, and yeah, three, you know, clothing accounts. And then obviously after a while, money started becoming a bit tight. So um, got my first credit card um, when I could qualify. And it just became, you know, one of those things. It was a credit card and then it was a loan. Um, and at the time, I also became a mom. So there was an extra pressure um, to make ends meet. Um, and I think, you know, for the first couple of years, I was fine and I could manage. But as um, the demands on my income uh, grew, you know, I tried to make ends meet, you know, I got a second job. So I was working two jobs. And then when that proved to not be enough, I then turned to, you know, more credit. So it was, again, you know, I got a loan. And then after the loan, I was like, oh, no, got another one, you know. Um, and I suppose what struck me was, A, how easy it was to get mm. myself into those situations. Um, and B, how... It just, yeah, you know, it, it didn't make sense how, you know, um, and I'm not blaming the financial institutions, but um, it didn't make sense how easily accessible all that credit was, yes. given how much I earned, um, really. I should never have, I mean, yes, out of personal responsibility, I shouldn't have done any of those things. But I certainly don't think my credit risk profile should have qualified me for any of the things I had access to. Sure. Okay. So how much debt was this really? Um, so there was a, oof, so much. So there was a credit card for 20,000 Rand. And I know it doesn't sound like much um, for some people, but trust me back then. Yeah. Like it was way too much money. Um, and there was a personal loan for 25. Um, so those were the two big ones. And then there were just like the clothing accounts for, um, there was one for, five there was another for three um the one that i killed first was the smallest one which was like 1000 rand um or just over 1000 rand um then there was another not like a revolving load but something like that and that was obviously i take some every month and then yeah. i put it back and then i take it and oh. then i put it back and that was like a revolving um 2000 rand load so, I mean, if you think about the 2,000 Rand, not as, you know, one instance of 2,000 Rand, but actually just me paying a whole lot of money, it, mm. it actually was quite a lot of money that I was um, owing. Um, and then, oh, yes. And then there was one credit card, one another credit card <laughs> for 10,000 Rand. Sure. All of that accumulates, so, um, hey? It accumulates. And um, at the time i was in my very early 20s so that also just to bring it into perspective i'm 33 now um i was in my very early 20s and i was earning about eight thousand rand a month um with a child 
um, living alone. So in, among, you know, or in, between all this debt, there was rent that needed to be paid, school fees, you know. Food, the so, basic necessities. Uh, yeah. So you can imagine those monthly payments plus that burden. Mm. I feel overwhelmed already. And so what was the the aha moment when you thought to yourself, uh-uh, this has to stop? Um, so, I mean, shortly after I realized I was in a lot of, yeah, hot water, <laughs> um, I actually got a job in Joburg and moved up, which also added a bit of strain, um, you know, to my financial situation. And part of the reason I ended up taking that last credit card for 10,000 Rand was because I needed it to move um, and I didn't have the money. Um, so it was a mixture of getting a new job, but also Joburg presented a whole um, host of opportunities. And um, I think when I, st- when I started my first blog about paying off my debt, um, I'd gone into... Um, stealth mode about you know paying my debt and really just um, living you know very bare minimum pleasures kind of thing you know Um, it was great that I was in a new city so I didn't have many friends there weren't many opportunities to be going out and spending a lot of money so that helped Um, but Joburg also brought with it a whole lot of opportunities Um, opportunities to make extra cash on the side. Obviously the move also meant I had a bit more money. Yeah. Um, and while that's nice, the more money wasn't really that great because also Choburg life is expensive, you know? Um, so what I used to pay in my old place um, where I lived in Durban was like doubled almost in Joburg. So that in and of itself you know, was its own challenge. And I think moving around, getting to work, etc., was, um, you know, a lot. So I, I had to make a decision to be like, okay, must pay this debt, must find um, other job opportunities. At some point, I even almost um, turned to waitressing, <laughs> you know, because I was just like anything to just get this debt out of the way. But I think I was fortunate in that... Um, yeah, I, I got to Joburg. I'd already made quite a few acquaintances, now friends on Twitter. Um, ew, the power of the internet. So um, through sharing my story and through just those connections, I managed to get some freelance gigs writing about money. Um, and that really helped me stamp out a lot of that debt. That extra income actually was the primary driver to me, um, shutting down a lot of that debt. Okay. And um, it took you four years to curb this debt, am I right? Yep. Yep. It so was, how was a very long four-year journey. What was life like in those four years? Were you eating noodles and tin fish every night? What, what were your sacrifices? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say one, I, like, if you see me eating noodles, please just know I am incredibly hungry. Okay. It was not cute. You know, yeah. um, it was very difficult, you know, like I said, I think the, one of the benefits was that I moved to a new city. So um, not having many friends say, uh, helped save quite a bit of money. Um, but it, it really was just discipline, you know, not going out and buying shoes, not going out and doing whatever. I think 
um, actually in making my new friends. And there were many transitions during that four years, including me eventually ending up working for the Sunday Times, the Business Times. Um, and I remember when I started working, um, my friends from um, there can tell you, they used to be like, hmm because the way I used to dress, but that was because I didn't buy clothes. So I'd yeah. literally come to work in jeans and a t-shirt, you know? Um, and yeah, it was just going over my, like, this is all we've got. If push comes to shove, we will buy new things. But it was a whole lot of um, discipline, um, focus, really having to be like, I'm, I'm, I'm determined, you know, I am the prize. Let's not yeah. lose track of it. Um, and it, it was satisfying as well, keeping a track um, or keeping track of all the things that I was paying off at the same time. Um, I think there are a few things more satisfying um, than seeing that zero balance, yeah. calling up the bank and saying, hi, please close it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, and then calling them like a month later just to make sure um, yeah. that it's been closed. Um, but really, it was it, it was satisfying as well, not, you know, being that person who was running from private number calls. Because mm. <laughs> you just see a private number, you're like, mm, mm-hmm. I'm, I don't want to, I don't even. Um, and, you know, you'd be so angry at this poor person who's just trying to do their job on the other end of the line. <laughs> yeah, shame. You know, um, but yeah, it was it was a very satisfying process, just working through paying that debt in a very organized and strategic manner, um, and just the satisfaction of seeing it go down slowly, and then being able to be like, okay, one down, x many to go. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, that the the day when I was like, this is the last one, it was like, you know, wow. <laughs> Wow, I have money, <laughs> you know, um, and and that was a very satisfying thing. You talk about going to work and wearing jeans and a t-shirt, and the pressures of starting a new job. First of all, you must have a new wardrobe. I think every woman can attest to that. People must see that day. Okay, I'm prepared for this thing. So Abantubazutini syndrome didn't that kick in at that stage to say, I know I'm kicking off this date, but can I just look cute for work? Um, so I think part of the reason was because A, it was the Sunday Times and um, journalists, you know, yeah. um, it's not formal, you know, so that helped, um, you know, and I'd worked, so I used to work for exclusive books and when I worked for exclusive books, it still belonged to the company that owned Sunday Times. Um, so I used to work in the same building. So I knew what the vibe was. I knew what the expectations were. So that made it a lot easier. I, I must say. Um, so, yeah, it was just, I mean, look, I didn't go to work looking like a whole <laughs> <laughs> But all I'm saying is I definitely didn't go to work the way I go to work no. now, you know. Okay. Um, it, it was just a, a different environment, which did help um, because I did. I think if I'd had to go out by heels and blah, 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 that would have taken its own um, strain mm. and probably taken me back a few steps. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a very easy, chilled environment, low pressure. So there was really, it gave me the time to actually just get my life in order. The other nice thing about that job was um, I used to be able to walk to work because um, oh, cool. it was up the road. 
yeah so there was a lot of money that i saved on transport and things like that so take us through your process for curbing the debt i know you talked about you had a systematic approach and the smallest debt that you killed off first but what was your approach maybe like a bit of a step-by-step guide on how you did it um so it was um there's something called the snowball method um and see now i forgot the other one but there's there's two methods that i used um and they're dave ramsey's methods um and the one was really you know um the snowball method is the dave ramsey one so it's um you know start with the smallest debt and roll it up um and then the other one was paying off highest interest first okay so the reason i wanted to do both was um there's a psychological yay to being able to pay off the smaller stuff you know it just you know it helps you get to um, the satisfaction of paying something off um yeah quickly um but it also just became a matter of you know it's two months or three months or four months of paying um you know 400 or 500 rand and then i'm done and then i can take that 500 rand and actually put it into that high interest um debt and then work on the next little thing so um i really did take um a like a double approach about it so it was if you know my smallest debt for instance is you know 2000 rand that's left over and i know i can pay it over the next um four months i'd do that and then what i'd do is i'd take the 500 rand that i'm paying per month split it um into 200 and 300 the 200 i put towards the next highest debt on the list um and then the 300 i'd put right towards um the high interest debt um it's no surprise that the high interest debt was also the biggest debt i have mm-hmm. um but it that approach, I think, helped me work through that a lot more, um, okay. a lot quicker. Okay. So, um, yeah. And um, so, I don't know how to phrase this, but do you think the debt consolidation approach works? I don't know if it was available at that time. Um, do you think that works better than having to pay off your debts individually? Um, so I did try debt consolidation, um, and I suppose that was the one thing that I, I attempted to do. Mm. And personally, I think you, you really need to be very disciplined if you want debt consolidation to work. Um, like I said, you know, it was taking a loan to pay off other little, um, debts, but, um, eventually because I wasn't in a financially secure place, um, what just happened was, um, you know, I, I, I ended up going back to um, taking on more debts just to cover some holes, you know, yeah. or upping my credit limits, that kind of thing. So I really think if you want to go the debt consolidation route, you have to be very disciplined. You have to be incredibly disciplined. You have to understand your financial situation very well because um, you could end up um, doing more damage than good. Um, personally, just paying it off once and focusing on each of the individual debts worked best for me just because it made more sense and it almost circumvented the possibility or the temptation to take on more debt just because um, I also think um, taking a consolidated loan um, or consolidating your debt makes it 
it gives you a false sense of security. Mm. Um, and I, I didn't want to have that. Okay. So let's talk about the difference between good debt and bad debt. Um, so so um, I always find the good debt and bad debt um, debate very interesting. But I suppose, you know, for me, in my situation anyway, the bad debt would have been all the clothing accounts. Um, certainly, I mean, everything I had essentially was bad debt because none of it was actually done with the intention or taken out with the intention to better my life mm. really in any way. It was better my life in the sense that we needed to patch some holes but um, not, you know, investing really in the future. Um, and for me, that's what good debt is, you know. Um, good debt is about what will this yield for me a couple of years down the line. Um, houses, um, there's a debate, are cars a good investment? I mean, you know, if, if that's what it takes for you to make money, we could argue for that. But I think by and large, cars are a bad, um, bad debt. Um, you AMGs. know, but good debt would be hmm? get the beautiful AMGs. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can get to work in a picanto, guys. True, <laughs> true. Um, you know, so I think, you know, it, it, the question really is, um, what benefit will this yield for me three plus years down the line? Mm. Um, and if you can't really answer that. Um, versus, and you have to obviously weigh the benefit against um, the cost, you know. So again, if we go back to the car example, if it costs you um, in interest payments, you know, um, 300,000, whereas the initial car was like 250 grand or whatever it is. Mm. Um, I know my examples are way out there, but if you've paid essentially, you know, almost double what um, the purchase price was, is it really worth it? Is it worth you know? it? Yeah, because it's also um, a depreciating and, asset. Exactly. And then you're going to sell your car for, what, 100K? Yeah. You know, you've lost a lot of money. So um, it's really about thinking about the numbers in that way. I'm paying this car actually at the end of this 36, 48, or 72-month period. How much would I have paid? What will this car be worth? And mm. then essentially how much have I actually lost mm. um, of this? Um, I suppose the same thing can be said with um, property. I think it's going to be very interesting to see, um, especially given the kind of time we're living through, um, how we treat and perceive property. I still think property is a good debt. Um, I don't necessarily think it's the best investment, but um, I, I do think you know it's, it's not something that um, is too much of a throwaway. Obviously, yeah. um, it depends on where you buy, you know, all those other factors. Um, but I think if you've thought about it carefully and you're buying in a good area and, you know, you know the kind of returns you're expecting, um, you can more or less work it out. So um, it really is about thinking about the benefit of, I'm taking on this financial, um, I don't want to say burden, but um, this financial assistance um, now, but what is, going, what is it going to yield for me mm. down the line? Um, a great example would be taking a loan or using your credit card to pay for your school fees. 
um, if you're going to be doing an MBA, we all know that's not like 10,000 Rand. So, um, you know, that's a lot of money. But um, the whole idea is by the end of that, you should hopefully be in a position to enter an executive position if you aren't already or an executive role. Um, And the idea is once you're in an executive, executive role, you earn a lot more. So then that becomes a, a valuable investment, mm-hmm. you know, um, it might cost you a bit in your credit, but the return is a higher salary, you know, it. more exposure, et cetera, et cetera. So um, it really is about weighing um, all of these things against each other. Okay. Um, so I think it's, we need to talk about a little bit of reflection. You talked about how you were excited after you finished off that debt, that last, last piece of debt. And then the following month, when you realize, Hore, there's no debit order that's coming out, going straight to your debt, what did you immediately do? Or did you go buy a pair of shoes to just thank yourself for being a hard worker? What, what did you do? Um, so I did actually. Um, I didn't buy shoes. Um, <laughs> I'm always which, thinking um, shoes. If anyone knows me today, <laughs> very surprising. <laughs> um, but I, I, I did reward myself, and I think um, rewarding myself with um, thinking really about my next steps as well. Um, I did treat myself. I went out um, with some friends. By that time, I'd already made some friends. Um, <laughs> so, you know, went out, had, had the fun that I couldn't have before. Um, but I think the interesting thing was how in that period of paying off, how much more, like how, how careful I was about money. Mm-hmm. So, you know, going to the restaurant, you sit with the menu and you're like, mm. Mm-mm. that's a lot of money, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, and it took, it, it takes a while for that you know, it's okay. <laughs> you yeah. can spend it to sort of kick in. Um, but I think more than just going out and splurging was really part of the journey of paying off and part of taking a very um, organized approach to it was thinking about what to do once this is um, over, so to speak, and how to ensure that we never find ourselves in the same situation. Um, so that became a very important part of my debt journey. And I think um, about, wait, when was 2016? Wow, everything feels so yesterday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, in 2016, I actually, um, at the end of 2016, I bought myself a car. Um, and that had been after almost the entire year of, because um, I bought the car in December, um, the entire year of being free I bought myself a car but a lot had happened in you know towards the end of the year that actually threw me in sort of like a new financial situation um my mom had a stroke so there was a lot of you know things that were going on personally that um the discipline that I'd um learned in paying off my debts actually came to pay off um, during that period Cool. And then throughout this journey, what did you learn about yourself in terms of the things that you can tolerate and live without? Um, So definitely, you know, all the things you think you need, you don't really. Um, And I mean, I've I've relearned that um, in the past year, um, actually, I went on a spending freeze. 
um, for no other reason than to just test my <laughs> capacity if to still control got myself and yeah, you know, um, and I haven't bought any new things or buy any new things. Um, I mean, new clothes. And the deal with my friend was, unless you're overseas or out of the country, there's no buying clothes, shoes. Um, and the only thing I can buy is like underwear, you know, um, and jewelry and accessories, but no new dresses, no new Nothing. shoes, no new anything. Um, that was very hard. Is that why you went out and like <laughs> left the country like 15 times last year? <laughs> well, so it start, It actually started after I came back. Is it? Um, so I had to, we, we went to New York and I definitely wasn't going to do that in New York, you know. So we went to New York, obviously shopped up a storm, came back and I was like, okay, no, no more. Nothing. This is, we're done now. Um, so I actually had a deal with a friend at work um and uh, you know it, it was really about can i stop myself and the only other time i went shopping was when i went to kenya but even then the most i bought were uh, fabrics it mm. wasn't actual clothes um so the past i started in august so i've got about two months to go of not buying anything and I've been fine, <laughs> you know, I haven't bought new shoes. I haven't bought new dresses. I haven't bought anything new. Do you um, stay at home and, that, and not go out been... so that you don't see all the cool stuff? I mean, how, how do you do that? Um, so the first, I think the first like three months are really hard. Yeah. Um, and then you just get over it. Mm. You actually just, you, you get over it. Um, and so right now, I mean, I, I had to buy uh, winter things for my family the other day. And I bought them and I didn't buy anything for myself. But I wasn't like, no, oh my goodness. I was yeah. just like, ah, it's fine. I'm not going anywhere. I'm anyway, at yeah. home. I'm working from home. <laughs> so whatever. So I think um, it really just becomes like, you know, in your mind, you're just okay with it. Mm. Um, like I said, the first month is like, yikes. The second month is like, hmm, Gonja, I can't buy new things. And then by month three, you're like, it's what ifs. Okay, cool. That's yeah. very interesting. I think my husband mustn't listen to this episode because he might just challenge me <laughs> to not buy shoes <laughs> for the next period of time. Um, it's actually interesting because then my, what my friend did, um, she also went um, on a similar challenge, but it was hers was she's not allowed to buy new shoes um, or she can only buy one pair of shoes per quarter. Yes, that was it. Um, so that, you know, we both had to be like, mm. and then every time she'd be like, I bought shoes, I'd be like, mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> so um, it, it was a very interesting exercise, but also it just, made me realize actually how i mean you can imagine not buying clothes in a year yeah um, but it was like i have i have a lot of clothes because mm. i'd be like oh i haven't worn this in forever oh i haven't worn this in forever and you just so, learn to put um, things like mix a few items together and you're like hey brand new outfit yeah exactly so you find you find a way to make it work you know mm. um and it really you know, it, it was amazing to me that in that year, I still gave away clothes, but it was just like, yeah, no, guys, I've got too many clothes. Yeah, no, <laughs> so, yeah. I agree. Yeah, I, I I went on a similar 
exercise, but mine was not a challenge. I was pregnant. So <laughs> I don't know if that's a reason, <laughs> but I didn't buy anything for literally the whole, since the moment I found out I was pregnant, except for like pregnancy leggings or whatever. And when I look back, I actually saved quite a lot of money in, in that time because I, I mm. bought l- literally nothing. And yeah, like, did I die? No, I'm still here. No. So it's <laughs> and just, you don't, hey? Yeah, it's just like when you just get used to something, you, your mind just adapts and you just move on. Yeah. Cool. Um, is there anything that you're still living without now that you, that you let go of while you were dealing with your date or even now with this new challenge? Is there something that you're thinking, okay, cool, after this challenge, um, I won't buy shoes every day or whatever it is. How are you going to restrict yourself in, in your purchases? <laughs> I don't know. I keep talking about um, shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, the shoes thing was probably the most difficult one. Yeah. Um, because I, I don't know about you, but I always feel like I don't have enough black shoes yet i have more black shoes than any other shoes in my closet but every time i open i'm like no but i don't have that kind of yeah, black you don't have a deck. square toe or a round toe or i need a wedge exactly. or i need a exactly so um you know the, the the black shoe thing was probably the most difficult um <laughs> thing to get used to um, but you know, the one thing I've learned, um, and I, I probably should mention that, um, I no longer have a car. Um, my, my, my brother drove my car and wrote it off. Hey. <laughs> um, and then after that, I decided not to buy a car. Um, and, uh, funny enough, just before, um, our national lockdown started, I was actually planning on buying a car and I'd found a car in Cape Town. And I was going to go all the way to Cape Town to go fetch my car because it was cheap <laughs> down there. And yeah. then, yeah, the president was like, yeah, you all okay. have to stay home. So I was like, I'm not going to buy a car for it to sit outside yeah. for I don't even know how long. Um, but I must say, I think in addition to not having a car and Ubering around and realizing, Hey, I don't need to go out as much as I used to. Mm. Um, because I think when you don't have a car, you know, the idea of just hopping into your car to go see Mang Mang is like, no, you know, because that then you can't No, but then I have to pay a hundred rand to go yeah, see I, you. And then I'm paying a hundred rand to come back. So actually this night out is going to cost me a thousand rand, you know, um, it really puts, your spending habits in sort of like a different light. Mm. You just think about going out um, completely differently. Um, so that's something, I mean, even now I'm like, do I really need a car? I'd love a car, but do I need it? You know? Um, and, and that, that's been one of the questions I've had to answer for myself. Um, and I suppose, you know, the dependence on credit really has mm. been something that I've learned to, um, work through um and you know being able to have control being able to be in a position to say okay if i were to lose my job today would i manage and to be able to say yes to that is um quite amazing you know and i think that's been the very important thing that that freedom to be able to look at my financial position and go it's not perfect you know, I'm not a multimillionaire. I'm not where I'd like to be. But if things were to go wrong today, I'm not going to be completely 
crushed. Yeah. Um, and, and that's been really key to sort of making the right financial decisions. Okay, that's amazing. I mean, it's interesting that you talk about the car thing. I was telling my husband just the other day that if I had a crystal ball and I knew that we were going to be in lockdown for so long, I probably would have sold my car just before lockdown because I literally have not used it since even a week before lockdown because I started being at home a week before. And yeah, it's been sitting in the garage gathering dust and I'm paying monthly for it. Uh, luckily, I got a 25% off of the insurance, but it's like sitting in the garage, not going anywhere. So there's literally no risk at all. So yeah, it's now I'm wondering if, if life continues this way um, for the next few months, is it worthwhile even having a car? And if life continues this way and I work from home more often than I used to, then I probably will not, will not need a car at all. So it's just... I think always just analyzing where your expenses are going and whether it's still necessary. Um, and I think that's a very important point. You know, I think the way we're working and um, a lot has changed. I mean, we were told that we might not go back to work until like September. Yeah. Um, and even then um, I doubt it'll be everyone back at work kind of mm. thing. So it's, it's like, if this is the new norm and now you know, um, there's an understanding that we're, um, you know, in this life and you don't have to come into the office every single day. If I'm only paying, say, for an Uber twice a week because I come in on Tuesdays and Wednesdays or Thursdays or whatever the yeah. case might be, do I really need a car? Mm. Um, so that's that's sort of where my thinking around all of this is, is um, if I'm spending more time at home um able to work from home, not needing to go into the office. Actually, I, I have a lot more breathing space to um, be free and focus on other uh, financial priorities. Mm. And the burden of having a car is no longer part of sort of my thinking. Mm. Cool. Um, now that you've kicked off all that debt, um, how have you structured your finances? Um, so... I still think a large portion, too large for my liking, uh, goes through um, to necessities still. Um, so rent, um, school fees. And those are probably like my biggest financial um, responsibilities, you know, um, yeah. on a monthly basis, obligations. Um, but I then also take a percentage of my um my salary, it's about um, 15% that I invest. One um, five. And that really is, yeah, one five. And I'll explain why it's only one five, <laughs> because it doesn't sound like a lot. No, no judgment. <laughs> I just was wondering if it was 50 or 15. Oh, I wish it was 50. So uh, part of that um, currently is I'm, I am saving for um, a house. So I'm trying to really put up as much of a deposit. So I've actually cut down a lot on um, investing or active investing, and I'm putting a lot of money in cash as well. So I do have quite, quite a bit in cash, but that's literally going towards, you know, um, financing a house. Um, and obviously with lockdown, that surge has sort of stalled. Um, but, you know, with all the other perks that have come with, I'm sorry to put it that way. <laughs> um, the pandemic, you know, we've got uh, low interest rates. So there, mm -hmm. there are a lot of things that are pointing towards me now being at a pl um, place where I can actually 
move on and um, buy a house. So that's been really the primary focus over the past um, couple of months is really bulking up um, quite intensely um, on um, making sure that I've got as big a deposit as possible so that I can go and buy a house in the area that I want to buy a house in. Um, and, and, you know, I've got a plan around once that is finalized, how am I going to pivot around so that I still have space for my finances? Um, so not all the cash that I've put aside is going all to the deposit. Um, I also just need to adjust to the bond life, you know, rates, water, hey, <laughs> you know, adjust to all of those things. And then once I think, once I've got that in place, it'll be a lot easier to then take that cash and be like, okay, I can invest it now. Mm -hmm. So um, the cash that I'm keeping aside isn't necessarily because I want to put it all into the house. It's just to give me breathing room should I need it um, in the event that um, I perhaps, you know, in my head or in my little spreadsheets um, over, you know, underestimated um, just how burdensome owning a house can be. Cool. Um, know how would you motivate someone who is in debt right now? Start small, um, but start. I think that's the most important thing is really just get out of your head because sometimes that's, that's what happens. We get, we, we get into our heads too much and then everything becomes overwhelming. So I'd say start small, start with a plan doesn't matter how ridiculous the plan seems, but start with the plan. Um, and like I said at the beginning, what worked for me in terms of just getting me to think um, differently and to get myself into gear was starting with a small thing. Focus on the big thing because the big thing is overwhelming, but start small, you know, mm -hmm. start with the 500 or 1,000 or 2,000 rand thing. Sometimes even something as simple as, um, and this is how I also ended up paying off my credit card is you pay 1,000 Rand, you phone the bank. At the time, you still needed to phone the bank and you say, um, please reduce it by 1,000 Rand. So, you know, and that's what you do. You just go, please reduce my credit limit by however much, however much. Um, that also helps you pay it off a lot quicker because you can mm -hmm. see it come down. So um, I really think have a plan. Um, there are plenty of resources available online. Have the plan and then stick to it. And it helps to have an accountability partner. What I used as an accountability partner was my blog. Um, but have friends, like the friend that's holding me accountable for not buying new clothes. I think that really helps. If there's somebody who's in a similar situation and they're, they're helping, um, they're, they're wanting a support system, then, you know, team up with them. Um, and I know it's difficult because nobody ever wants to talk about the fact that they're in debt, yeah. but I think that's the other thing, you know, um, it, it makes it so much easier to actually stick to what you want to do. If you share it, you know, mm -hmm. you don't have to tell people how much debt you're in, but just tell them, be like, Oh, you know, guys, I can't go up because I'm actually, you know, I'm working my way through debt. Um, and you know, if you have really great friends, they'll support you in that. Mm, absolutely. Okay, thank you so much. I really like how authentic and um, deep you've been with us today. But I think let's just get a little bit lighter. If you won the lottery today, <laughs> what would you do? Um, so I always say this. Um, my joke line is, I'd go to work 
and hire someone to do my job for the day and then bring a bag of money and start counting it next to my boss. Yo. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I definitely stay working for a while. Um, I'd invest it. So probably the first thing I'd have to do is call my boss to tell him that I want money. Please don't arrest me when I put it into my account. <laughs> um, um, I'd invest it. You know, I'd put it in the stock market. Um, like I said, because right now I'm looking a house a portion of that would go towards that um but i'd invest it okay cool and um, um and i wouldn't quit my job you wouldn't well it depends on how much money you've won i mean look <laughs> if right. people start getting on my nerves and i'm like i, I, I don't have to deal with this <laughs> um but let's just say i wouldn't quit it immediately okay. let me rather say that I i'm the same yeah same, yeah, same here. Because you also don't want to jump, Lisa. Yes, people mustn't know, mustn't not know. Exactly, you don't yeah. want to be like, bye, we are here, hey, I'm <laughs> going to go live in Paris. Don't huh? need this. <laughs> exactly. Okay, what do you spend your money on that makes your life simpler or better? Data. Mm, <laughs> um, and food, because food is lovely. Cool. And then your money moment in the last few years, I think a moment where you thought, hmm, that just shaped how you perceive money. Um, whew. So I think there's been two. Probably when I first started on this journey and I was learning all the things that I was learning, I thought, oh my goodness, I've been thinking about this completely like the wrong way. Um, but I think also the, the work um, or the environment I work in currently um, has also shaped the way I think about money a lot, especially when it comes to investing. Um, and that, that was also another moment of, oh, I thought it was this way. And actually, there's a whole world that I have no idea or had no idea um, about how it worked or any deep understanding of it. So I think that's been, you know, a very big revealing moment of what actually is investing what's building wealth what does wealth look like mm. um and what wealthy people actually do and look like as well because i think you know we we, we see celebrities we see people um in, in on tv or read about them and we think you know there's like five of them and actually you know in in some worlds You'd never know, you know, yeah. but it's, it's really about how people live their philosophies on, on money and, you know, how to manage it. That's really shaped and influenced sort of my approach um, in a lot of ways now. And if you could strip one money term down into its simplest form, which one would it be? Mm, probably... Um, investing you know investing in what it means and it's just really 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 doing today something that will benefit you tomorrow cool i like that very simple and easy okay thank you for our chat i think for me the key takeaways from this conversation i think i've made quite a few notes is that how fast you get out of debt is dependent on the level of discomfort you are able to endure and embracing the suckiness of the process because I don't think it's easy at all, but then if you embrace the suck, <laughs> then it becomes yes. an easy, not an easy, but it becomes a more manageable process. I mean, it, 
I think it's overwhelming, but embracing the the difficulty helps you get through it. And I think, um, and then just based on the, your car story, I think you have to look at every financial obligation seriously and weigh the pros and the cons and all of that because we're so quick to buy stuff. I mean, especially the big purchases like cars and houses and whatever. I think you need to step back and then think, okay, cool. Am I going to, like, how is this going to affect my life in the next few years? And is it beneficial? Is it me wasting money? But yeah, I don't think a lot of us do that and get that perspective before we purchase something. So I think those two were the big learnings for me today. Thank you so much for your time. And thank you for sharing your story. Um, so you've got an ebook. Uh, do you want to just yes. spend five minutes just plugging your ebook or whatever it is that you want to plug so that the listeners can go check out afterwards? Uh, yeah, sure. So I wrote an ebook, a step by step guide to paying off debt. Um, it was actually a project I did collaborating with um, One Life. Um, and really, it, it is pretty much everything I learned on my journey. Um, so like I said, the snowball method, etc. learning how to budget. And while there is emphasis on, you know, things like budgeting, etc., the one thing I did want to say was, you know, personal finance, I think we, we focus so much on, you know, the, the theoretical aspects of it. And I think it's important that when you read these kind of books or read these kind of methods you don't forget the psychological aspect of it Mm. and I think that then becomes you know what you were saying the kind of discipline getting out of your head really having to interrogate your needs once what you're actually doing with your money that becomes very important because that more than having a pretty looking spreadsheet or whatever the case may be determines how quick um, or how disciplined you are in um, paying off the debt and, you know, sticking with those financial obligations. So, um, yeah, please read the book. Um, it's free to download. Uh, you can just search step um, One Life Step-by-Step Guide to Paying Off Debt on Google, and my name and surname, it should come up. Um, and, yeah, you know. Cool, that's, thank that, you. That's, that's all I thank you so much um and if anybody wants a copy of the ebook obviously they can subscribe to the blog or the podcast and then i will send you the ebook um directly if that is easier for you and yeah so thank Thank you you. for your time thank you very much and enjoy this lockdown Thank you for listening. Thank you for giving us your ears. Catch us on the social media streets. On Facebook, it's Stripped the Podcast. On Instagram, at Stripped underscore the podcast. And on the Twitter streets, Stripped underscore podcast.